between the life we see and the world we dream, there are stories when they are told. Nightmares become imagination. So please. <laughs> Thomas, you aren't. Hello to the guild. Anniversaries can be quite spooky. When celebrated correctly, <laughs> welcome to the Dim Light Anxiety Podcast. I'm your host, Giggles, and today we celebrate the anniversary of this podcast coming to life. <laughs> I think I called it my third year doing this in previous episodes, but I was mistaken. I started this podcast in 2021. So that officially makes us the second birthday of extracting your nightmares and performing them. Because, after all, we all know nightmares are a terrible thing to waste. From campy to, I don't think that clown is safe. Scary, I want to hear them all because your fucked up brains came up with them. Once you carefully assemble your creation... Send it to dimlightanxiety at gmail.com to have a chance to hear your words performed. All right, let's get this party started. (laughs) I hope you guys all had a good holiday, you know, at the beginning of the month. I know my cats thought that we were being attacked for like four days straight at least. (laughs) Ooh. That would make a really great story. I may have to start working on that. If you have good ideas as well, I'm down to see who wrote it best. (laughs) It's a write-off, everyone. Just write it off. Oh, oh, no. (laughs) That means something else. That didn't quite work. (laughs) Anyway, a write-off. Let's see who wrote it best. (laughs) You guys have been very patient on hearing this last bit of the story. We started back in, what was it, March? So let's see. Are you ready to hear if and or how these kids get out of this mess? Here's a recap on where we left off. Dad's brow angled down in an angry V and Mom glared at me like I did something wrong. Alex, what did you do? She read a cursed spell book at the cemetery. Jess sniffled. Then the dead came back. Mark nodded. That's pretty much how it happened. Real smart, Alex, Mom said, her voice dripped with sarcasm. Because that could never go wrong. I didn't know. I didn't think spells and zombies were actually real. In another part of town. All of Langston's repressed feelings toward Pat, Quentin Tarantino, his bullies, that rude cop who pulled him over six months ago, his I'll-fix-it-later slumlord consumed him like a nuclear death cloud and a switch flipped in his brain. Langston went away, and Kung Fu's psycho took its place. Like a rabid dog with a taste of blood in his mouth, Langston couldn't stop. Wouldn't stop. Not until his wrath had been spent. 
Will the town survive? Will Langston use his wrath for good? Or will the zombies take over? Submitted for the approval of the guild with dim light anxiety, I call this story... The Tale of Waking the Dead, Part 4. Hiya! Langston brought his open head down onto the center of a zombie's head, and the reanimated corpse fell to the pavement in a quivering heap. Another came at him from behind, and he rammed his elbow back into its guts. He wrapped his arm around its neck and flung it over his shoulder. It landed atop the first, arched its back, and let out a pained groan. A third approached, and Langston jumped into the air and lashed out with his foot, nailing it in the chin. It fell to one side and lay still. Panting, Langston admired his handiwork. A trail of broken bodies littered the streets between here and Pissy's, three blocks back. Some of them were twitching like smashed bugs and others unmoving, either dead or so damaged they might as well be. He was currently on the western edge of downtown, breaking glass storefronts to the left and town square up ahead. Sirens rose somewhere in the distance and gunshots rang out, the echo making their position impossible to determine. Three zombies appeared down the street, staggering like drunks on the way home. They spotted Langston and started to lope toward him. Hopping from one foot to the other, Langston threw his arms behind him, ducked his head, yelled, Nederon! and ran at them, feet barely touching the ground. The zombies paused as if having second thoughts, but it was too late. Langston leapt into the air, thrust one foot out in front of him like a spear, and hit a ghoul in the head, knocking it clean off. He landed on one foot, pivoted around, and kicked another zombie in the chest. It doubled over and flew backwards, hitting a metal trash can and startling a sleeping wino into flight. The final zombie held his fists up to his face, and he and Langston circled each other, like two bucks about to throw down. You want to go flashback? The zombie asked. Come on, I'll mess you up. I didn't beat cancer, but I'll definitely beat you. Langston made a move, but the zombie drew back. Bring it. The zombie sprang, and Langston hit him with a flurry of punches to the chest. The zombie brought its fist around and smashed it into the side of Langston's head. Langston stumbled, and the zombie capitalized with an uppercut to the stomach. Langston grunted and bent at the waist. The zombie circled one arm around the boy's neck and threw himself back in the perfect DDT. Langston's face hit the asphalt and stars burst across his vision. The zombie clambered onto his back, put him in a one-arm chokehold, and pressed his knee between Langston's shoulder blades, tapping him. Tap out, the zombie said. Never, Langston cried. The zombie tightened his grip, cutting off Langston's air supply. Say, uncle, fuck you. The edges of Langston's consciousness turned soft and gray, and his lungs throbbed for air. 
Panic began to set in, and hysteria threatened to overwhelm him. Before losing control, he aligned his chakras or something and asked himself if the one guiding question that had informed his life since seventh grade. What would Bruce do? Easy. Bruce would win. Gritting his teeth and calling upon reserves of strength he didn't even know he had, Langston buckled like an untamed bronco, and the zombie's hold loosened. Its arm brushed Langston's lips, and seeing his chance, he bit down as hard as he could, teeth rending, jaw-locking, cold, dead skin flecking his tongue like the world's yuckiest spice. The zombie howled in pain and Langston buckled again, this time knocking him off. He jumped to his feet and the zombie rolled back forth like a turtle on its shell, holding its wounded forearm and hissing like Peter Griffin with a skinned knee. God, it moaned. That really does hurt. Langston lifted his foot and the zombie's eyes widened. You have been defeated. Langston said, imagine the movements of his mouth not sinking with what he says, just like the dub Bruce Lee movie. The zombies held up its hand in a mollifying gesture. Wait, please don't. Before you kill me, let me pray. Langston stopped as a God-fearing type himself. He understood and respected the zombies' desire to get right with, you know, the big guy. Fine, pray. Zombie balled his fist into his mouth and closed his eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, I beg of you, give this son of a bitch dick rot for me. Snarling, Langston brought his foot down on the zombie's face, breaking its head like an overripe pumpkin. He yanked away and turned just as another goal came up with the street. This one, tall, and broad with cornrows, clad in jeans, and the white t-shirt caked in dirt. It looked left and right like a stranger in a strange land. More foes. Langston strode toward him. Wilco saw him and stopped. One corner of his mouth was lifting in a sneer of distaste. Langston stopped in front of him, held up his fists, and weaved his head from side to side. Energy flowed through him, and for the first time he could remember, he felt truly at peace with the world. All it took was killing a bunch of people. Oh, oh, well, well I guess that's quote-unquote people. What the fuck is you doing? Wilco asked. Langston scuttered close, ready to strike. You best get your little headband wearing ass out my grill. I ain't trying to fuck with you. Go on. He tried to walk around, but Langston blocked his path. I've come to destroy you. Wilco's brow shut up. 
Oh, ain't you ain't gonna do shit to me. Langston held a hand out, palm up, and curled his fingers in a defiant, come hither. I, Wilgo said. He took a diamond stud out of his ear and shoved it into the hands of a passing zombie. Hold my shit. He rolled his neck, squared his shoulders, and cracked his knuckles with a flourish. You really trying to get your feelings hurt? Langston's only response was to bounce from one foot to another. Make your move, homie, Wilco said. Tensing, Langston did, and the white rapper instantly grabbed him by the throat and dragged him off his feet, just like he did with Tim. Must be part of his M.O. What's good, homie? He yelled obnoxiously. What's good? For the second time that night, Langston couldn't breathe. He thrashed, kicked, and pummeled Wilco's face with blows, but none of those shots had any effect on, on the gargantuum. Langston's brain spasmed in terror and his lungs squeezed in a vice. His eyes bugged from their sockets and the warm, tingly mist of death settled over him. Frantically, he clawed at the backs of Wilco's hands, but to no avail. He swung his legs up, planted his feet into Wilco's stomach and tried to pull back, but that didn't work. It wasn't looking good, folks. You're gonna die tonight. You're gonna get your ass back up and walk around just like me. You're gonna feel yourself rot. You're gonna be cold as fuck too, motherfucker. Langston's life flashed before his eyes and the final image was Bruce Lee looking disappointed. You let me down, Langston. Sensei, no! Crying out, he hit Wilco dead in the nose. It shattered under his fists, and the sound cloud wannabe hands flew open. Langston dropped to his knees and got back to his feet just in time for Wilco to grab him again. This time, instead of choking him, Wilco spun him around and let go. For a terrible second, Langston screamed through the night. Then he landed hard on the grass, the air whooshing from his lungs. He lay there stunned then rolled onto his stomach and got his hands and knees under him. You motherfucker! Wilco roared. He snatched Langston up by his shaggy blonde hair and then pulled him to his feet. Langston twisted around and hit him in the midsection with a devastating punch. Wilco staggered, then came forward like a freight train. Langston tried to jump out of the way, but he wasn't fast enough. Wilco tackled him into some something stone, rough and abrasive. Langston's flesh tore. Blood trickled. Everything hurt. His muscles, his legs, and his arms. Wilco hit him once, twice, three times, left, right, left, right. He closed his hands around Langston's throat, reared back, and lifted his fist for one last punch. This one, lethal. Langston closed his eyes, but the hit never came. He creaked one eye open, and Wilco stared at something looming over them. Langston followed his gaze. The statue. They were at its base. Langston bent back over the pedestal. The bronze figure towered over their heads, revealed by a spotlight pointed just so that the way people could bask in Wilco's greatness even after sundown. What? Wilco drew in amazement. 
He let Langston go and fisted his hand into his mouth. Yo, they got a statue of me? Langston rolled to one side, fell to his knees in a heap, and fought to catch his breath. He was bloody, dazed, and missing a tooth or two, but he was alive. Yo, look at this! Wilco beamed. They even got me in my fats. Word! He walked slowly around the statue, craning his neck to take in every detail. Langston staggered to his feet, woozy, and swayed like a tree in a hurricane. Can we nuke it? Wilco climbed up and onto the platform and studied his bronze counterpart like the Narcissus in the reflecting pool. Langston lingered for a moment, then said screw it and stumbled away. He'd go pick on someone his own size. Alone, Wilco pulled out his phone. I'm gonna put this shit on the gram, he said as he opened his camera. Three minutes later, Wilco, the white rapper's 800,000 followers, were shocked when the dead man's account updated for the first time in three years with a photo. A face, decaying and gray, but recognizable as Wilco, mugging next to his statue. They love me, the caption read. Once all the doors and windows were boarded up, Dad, Tim, and Mark sank onto the couch next to Mom and Jess. I paced around the living room with my phone in my hand. I called the state police, the National Guard, and even the Department of Defense. The latter put me on hold. Uh, hello? Zombies wait for no man? Outside, the dead attacked the doors and windows. The table covering the front window trembled, and the entertainment system shook in place. The barricades, a haphazardly slapped together pile of wood scraps, interior doors, the coffee table, credenza, and other things wouldn't hold for long. Soon, they'd give way, and the zombies would get in. All right, Dad said. How exactly did this happen? You read a book? Still pacing, I told him how I found Ellie Renberg's book at the library and what I learned about it. Then finally about reading it as a joke. He listened intently, nodded here and there, and exhaled deeply when I was finished. The pounding filled the house, an apocalyptic Din that made the wall seem closer, the air hotter. Jess hugged herself and Mom chewed her nails. Her nails, not Jess. <laughs> Where is the book? Dad asked. Maybe there's a spell that could send him back. I left it at the cemetery. Dad groaned. I'm sorry! I didn't know this was going to happen! He sighed. 
It's not your fault. I wouldn't have believed that shit either. The window flanking, the door broke with a tinkle, and the door nailed over it vibrated under the zombie's assault. We can't stay here. Dad got to his feet, grabbed the AR-15, then jammed the new magazine into the stock. What are we going to do? My mom asked incredulously. Those things are everywhere. They'll tear us apart the moment we set foot outside. The car's in the driveway, Dad said. Twenty feet away. If we can get to it, we can get out of here. And getting there shouldn't be too hard. Those things talk tough, but they're a bunch of pussies. How? Mom demanded. You saw how many are out there. Even with the guns, we'll be kibble in seconds. Jess whimpered, and Mark slipped his arm around her shoulders. And where will we go? Mom continued. Dad pulled back the gun's lever and chambered around. Clack. To get the book. Tara pulled in Jess's eyes, and she rocked faster, shaking her head no. I say we just leave town, Mark said. Problem solved. And those undead assholes eat everyone we love? Dad asked. Your parents? Your friends? Mark didn't have a rebuttal for that. Shoving the three fifty seven into his waistband, Dad slung the rifle over his shoulder, reached into the box, and brought out an Uzi. Jesus, Dad, now you're scaring me. I knew you liked guns, but holy arsenal. What else do you got in there, a bazooka? Actually, that might come in handy right about now. <laughs> Mom stood up and raked her hands through her hair. It started the evening in a professional bun, but over the course of the past half hour, strands had worked free and hung limply in her face, lending her a frazzled appearance. Before we go into anything or, or go anywhere, we have to worry about getting to the car. She gestured to the door. How are we going to do that with a million zombies trying to get in? Maybe a distraction? Tim spoke up, and everyone looked at him. One of us runs, leads them away, then the others swing by and pick them up? Dad considered the plan, then rejected it. Nah, that won't work. Those things will be on top of the car like that. It's too dangerous. Darn. That was actually a good idea, too. I stared down at my gun and racked my brain. All right, Dad, you said you got us into this mess, and he wasn't just whistling Dixie. You did. But Alex. No buts, Alex. Maybe that book exerts some kind of power, but this wouldn't be happening if you didn't read it in the middle of the cemetery like a doofus. It's up to you to save the day. Your parents, your Tim, your Jess, are all on the line here. And Mark, too. You can't forget him. Think. Think. Then it hit me like a pie to the face. I know what we can do. Mom, Dad, Mark, and Tim all turned to me. Jess kept on rocking and breathing through her nose, 
trying to stave off a total emotional breakdown. Or epic gas. <laughs> what? Dad asked. I saw it in The Walking Dead one time. What? I held up my pointer finger. First, we get some bed sheets and put them on. Second, we get a zombie. Third, we cut the zombie open, smear its guts on the bed sheets, and then walk outside. The zombies will think we're one of them and ignore us. Fourth, we get in the car, put on our seatbelts, and cruise out of there in style. Mom and Dad looked at each other, and a thought passed between them. That's the stupidest idea I've ever heard, Dad said. Really, Alex? Why don't we just lather ourselves in barbecue sauce while we're at it? Mom asked. Hi, Roll. Everyone's a critic. Do you have a better idea? The clatter of the dead trying to break their way in reached a fever pitch. The entertainment center shifted, and the door opened just wide enough for a half dozen arms to get through. Dad and Tim hurried over and threw themselves against the blockade. We're going to have to fight our way out, Dad called. What? No. That's insane, Mom yelled. We can't do that. Leaving Jess's side, Mark picked the hammer up from the coffee table, went to the door, and smashed the claw it in, into one of the hands. He hit another, and another, and one by one they slithered away until Dad and Tim were able to get the door closed. What's the situation out back? Dad asked. I rushed into the kitchen ahead of Mom, splayed my hands on the counter, and leaned over to see out the window above the sink. It was too high for the zombies to reach, so Dad left it uncovered. In the backyard, a couple of zombies stumbled around like guys on a job site with nothing to do. One trampled Mom's rose garden, and she gasped. Hey, get out of my roses! The zombie looked toward the window. Yeah, I'm talking to you, no-nos! Back in the living room, Dad, Tim, and Mark had shoved one end of the couch against the entertainment center. It was a fold-out, and a heavy as a mofo. Jess was perched on the edge, no longer rocking, but still traumatized. She stared into space and rubbed her hands along her arms as if for warmth, her breathing so shallow as to nearly be non-existent. There's a couple, I said, but not many. Dad pursed his lips in thought. All right, we'll go back out and around the side. If we stay low and quiet, we can get to the car. I, I can't go out there, Jess stuttered. My, my ankle, I, I twisted it. God damn it, Dad sighed. He glanced up the stairs, then to the door. The entertainment center trembled, and beyond it, the door cracked under the barrage. You stay here, Maria Mark. You stay with her. My heart stank. Mom and Jess staying behind? We, we can't leave them. 
We don't have any other choices. They'll be safe in the attic. Mark and Dad helped Jess up the stairs, and Tim took a, posi a position in front of the entertainment center with a shotgun. He looked so much like Elmer Fudd hunting rabbits that I would have laughed under any other circumstances. In the second floor hall, Dad pulled the cord and the accordion stairs folded down. Mom went up first with a flashlight, made sure it was safe, and called down for Jess to come up. Can you make it on your own? Dad asked. She nodded, and favoring her bad foot, scurried up the ladder. Dad turned to Mark, unshouldered his AR-15, and handed it to him. This is a AR-15. The clip holds 99 gas-tipped bullets, and the chamber fires at a rate of 20 rounds per millisecond. It doesn't matter where you hit your target, it will instantly die. Once shot, has enough terminal velocity to cut through 10 feet of concrete. All you have to do is hold the trigger down and rain hell on whatever you want to die. Mark took the gun with a puzzled frown. Uh, I don't know much about guns, Mr. Warner, but I think you got a few things wrong there. Clapping Mark on the arm, Dad said, Not if you ask a liberal. Before we went back downstairs, I climbed up the ladder to say goodbye to Mom and Jess. Mark sat to one side with the rifle propped between his knees, and Jess rubbed her ankle with a grimace. Be careful, Mom said and hugged me fiercely. I will. I turned to Jess. I'm not a very good rider, even though I might like to think otherwise, and there's no way I could even begin to describe what my sister means to me. I know I have a reputation for playing and being silly, but a long time ago, a little girl came to live with me and my parents. A little girl who had just lost her own mother and father. She didn't fully understand death, I think. But she knew her mommy and daddy weren't there. And she was alone with strange people she barely knew. She was like, I don't know, a sad little lamb or something. Mom told me once as she tucked me into bed that I had to look out for my little cousin because she needed me. I vowed that I would. Over the years, Jess and I have had some pretty wacky adventures. We've fought, bickered, played, and no matter what, we've always been there for each other. Emotion welled in my throat and I blinked away the tears forming in my arms. I'm sorry, I said earnestly. I should have listened to you about that book. You were right and I was wrong, like usual. I took her hands. This is all my fault. I was dumb and selfish. And if we'd just stayed at home and watched TV together, we wouldn't be in this mess. She drew a deep breath and let it out through her nose. I'm not worried about that, she said. If you want to show me you're sorry, do me a favor. What? Be careful out there. We hugged, then feeling a mixture of shame, guilt, and fear, I left her and Mom in the care of Mark. You better not screw this up, buddy, I told him. I won't, he promised. 
Dad gave Mom and Jess both a kiss, and Mom hugged him. No stupid shit, she said, and watch out for our little girl. I will, he stroked her cheek. Then when this is over, I'm grounding her. Me too, Mom said. Ugh. Downstairs, the entertainment center had begun to split and fissure and the couch to move. Seven arms, now eight, reached through the gap between the window sill and the coffee table. Hands gripped the edge and worked the table back and forth, trying to free it. Stop, Tim begged. Stop, a zombie mocked. We're going to eat you, another taunted. I call us nuts. Dad grabbed the Uzi from the couch, slipped the strap over his shoulder, and handed Tim a Glock. Here's the plan. Five minutes later, we huddled around the back door, Dad with one hand on the knob and the Uzi on the other. On the count of three, Alex, stay right behind me. Tim, bring up the rear if you have to. Let them eat you while we get away. Dad. I said only if he has to. He curled his finger around the trigger. One. I checked my gun to make sure the safety was off. <laughs> Bet you thought I was going to forget. Two. Tim pumped the shotgun. Three. Dad pulled the door open and went out low and fast. I followed him and Tim came behind, pulling it closed and locked it behind him. The three zombies in the backyard stumbled toward us. Dad ran at the closest and threw a punch that drove it back into the others. He darted around the side of the house and I stayed hot on his heels. A narrow strip of yard runs between our house and the wood stockade fence trimming Mr. Krause's property. The tree branches overhead blotted out the moon and for a second the darkness was total. Dad stopped at the corner and I came to a halt next to him. He leaned over to see around it then glanced at me and Tim. Stay down and be quiet. I nodded, too scared to speak. From here, the pounding wasn't as loud as it was inside, but the moaning was clear and chilling. Not waiting, Dad hunched over and darted out from cover. I took his place and peeked around the corner post. The car sat to my right at the head of the driveway. Dad ducked behind the front end and crept and to the passenger door. The zombies from the backyard were closing in and Tim brought the butt of the shotgun up and rammed it into one's face, knocking it down. The other one reached for him, pushing it away. He kicked it in the stomach, folding it over, then crashed his knees into its face. The cacophony of moans and hissing covered the sounds of the scuffle. Dad eased the door open and slipped in, taking a deep breath. I crouched and hurried to the car. I climbed into the passenger seat and Tim got into the back. Behind the wheel, Dad looked pleased with himself. That went a lot easier than I would have thought. He patted his hip pocket and sagged. What? 
I asked. I forgot to get the keys from your mom. My heart sank. Really? No worries, he said. I, I could hotwire it. In the back, Tin gulped. You better hurry. All of the zombies had been trying to get to the front. Four dozen at least were shambling toward the car. Fuck, Dad whispered. He ripped off the plastic paneling under the wheel and dug frantically in the mess of wires. The zombies reached the car and closed around it in a black, spreading tide, blocking the light, slapping the windshield, and rocking the frame. One tried to pull open my door, and another smushed its face against Dad's window, its teeth chattering spasmically. Give me your brain, Mr. Warner. The car pinched side to side like a boat in stormy swells, and I held on for dear life. Hurry! I screamed. Dad cussed under his breath and pulled two wires out to see them better. I think it's these two. My window exploded and cold fingers threaded through my hair. I let out a high-pitched squeal and tried to pull away. I got her! The zombie cried triumphantly. He yanked my head to the side and a shard of glass gashed my cheek, sending stinging pain into my head. Tim leaned over and jabbed the barrel of the shotgun against the zombie's face, pushing him back. Ah! Dad said. He crossed two wires and the engine roared into life. He threw it into reverse and hit the gas. We rocketed backwards and the hand released my hair as the zombie attached to it lost its footing and went down. Dad spun the wheel and we angled sharply to the left, the tires leaving the driveway and tearing up the grass. We hit the mailbox and the trash cans, then Dad slammed on the brakes, throwing me against the dash. Ow! I really need to start wearing my seatbelt. The zombies ran after us, and Dad put the car in drive. He hit the gas, and I flopped back against my seat like a rag doll. A few ghouls coming down the middle of the street jumped out of our way, and Dad swerved and missed a few bent over eating something. For a heart-stopping second, I thought it was a wayward trick-or-treater, but it was only roadkill. Whew! In the rearview mirror, the zombies dwindled until they were gone, and I let out a breath I didn't know I was holding. I hoped they all followed us, and none tried getting into the house. Mark, Mom, and Jess should be okay where they are, but these weren't your garden-variety Romeo zombies. These were black magic psychopaths. Dad took a sharp quarter, and the wheel screeched on the pavement. When we get there... Find this damn book and make these assholes go back to where they came from, all right? I will. If I can find it, I added to myself. Remember, I had no clue what I was even looking for. I started reading the last spell totally at random. Those words could have literally meant anything. They could have made puppies, kittens, and free healthcare rain from the sky and I would have been none the wiser. Funny thing, I don't even think I know what I said back at Westvale. I remember the words Terra and Ad Hoc. I mean, what did those even mean? On Main Street, a zombie ambled hurriedly down the sidewalk like it was fleeing something, casting a worried glance over its shoulder. 
Dad turned, but right before he did, I swore I saw a shirtless Langston stalking after it. We reached the cemetery five minutes later. A lot of body parts were strewn across the ground, a macabre confusion of arms, legs, and other human detritus that you'd need a pathologist and a full-scale dental records to identify. With so many decades-old corpses walking around, it stood to reason some of them would kind of, uh, shed. <laughs> shiver. Dad parked behind Tim's car and got out, leaving the engine running. The gate stood open and I couldn't help feeling like something wasn't an interest, I mean, it wasn't an entrance at all, but a, a big hungry mouth. Tim jerked an overwrought look around and Dad held the Uzi tight to his chest. A cold wind rustled the trees, but otherwise, nothing moved. The world was silent dead. The plague demon moved on to the other side of town. How many people in the houses between here and home had been killed by the zombies? How many men and women torn apart and eaten? How many terrified children ripped from their parents' arms and murdered? All because of me. Hot tears flooded my eyes and I cut that thought off. I, I started... Thinking about stuff like that, I'd go to pieces. Keep it together, Dad said. His voice was low and bloodless. And the moonlight glinted in his big, unblinking eyes. For the first time all night, he looked afraid. I swallowed and turned away. I teased him a lot, but my dad's the strongest and bravest dude I know. Knowing that he was scared made me even more scared than I already was. He pointed the Uzi out in front of him and went through the gate, gravel crunching under his feet. Holes dotted the ground, marking the spots where the earth spat up a corpse. The wind knocked barren trees' branches forlornly together. Tim swept the cemetery with a shotgun and jumped when an owl hooted. Oh, poor baby. I patted him on the butt and he looked at me strangely. You're hot when you're armed. I expected a blush and a giggle. Instead, I got a glare and a, this is not the time for that, Alex. Well then, see if I ever compliment you again. Where are we going? Dad asked. We stopped and I scanned the cemetery. Tombstones huddled in the darkness and a skim of wind-driven leaves whispered along the overgrown grass. Something moved and I tensed. Seconds later, a skunk waddled out from behind a headstone shaped like a cross and disappeared into a gaping hole. It never occurred to me, but the cemetery is really the safest place during a zombie apocalypse. All the dead people have already gotten up and gone forth in search of blood, leaving it empty. <laughs> They can take over our world, but uh, we'll just take over theirs. Now, where were we? Oh, yeah. 
in the night, everything had a dull sameness. I thought we were farther along the gravel road, but I, I couldn't be sure. This way, I said. After a couple minutes of walking, we came to a wide, grassy area. This looked like the place, and I ran my gaze over the ground. And when I saw the book, my heart jolted. There! I brushed past him, bent, and picked it up. The cover totally human skin. Why was I in denial? Throbbed in my hands, and the face seemed bigger than before. Dad leaped over my shoulder, then shuddered. That thing's creepy. You really had that thing sitting around the house for days? She carried it around, too, Tim said, like a little girl with a teddy bear. I blame her mother. Nah, she's messed up all on her own. Flashing, I rammed my elbow into Tim's ribs, and he let out a breathless oof. I'm not messed up. Am I? Reckoning that was the question for another day, I went to open the book, but a high, grating laugh stopped me. <laughs> what was that? Back again, I see. The book. It was talking. Its mouth curved up in a wicked smile, and I blinked my eyes like a car cartoon character. I'd seen a lot of in the past couple of hours, but, but this? Now this was pushing it. Holy shit, Tim breathed. The book laughed again. <laughs> its mouth making funny, and I felt mocking shapes. I'm surprised you made it. Not many people can withstand an army of the dead. Yeah, yeah, we, we made it, I said. Well, what's next, aliens? Now, um, how do we stop this? The owl hooted again, and the boughs of the trees rattled in the wind. I'm not telling you, the book said, as though explaining something simple and obvious to a particularly stupid child. This is the most fun I've had in centuries. Do you really think I'm going to spoil it for myself? Oh, come on, I said. Please? The book made a show of mulling over my plea. Nope, uh-uh, I sighed. Look, I know you've been locked up for a long time, and I'm sorry for that. But I did something really stupid tonight, and I put everyone I love in danger. My mom, and my sister, my boyfriend, my dad, everyone in town. This is all my fault. I'm selfish, careless, and probably ADHD or something. I've hurt a lot of people, and I just want to make things okay. Please, please help me. The book sighed, my appeal to its heart having succeeded. All right, fine, you've swayed me. I will tell you how to send the dead back to the graves, but you must do exactly as I say, understood? Yes. First, send me down. Carefully, I set the book in a soft tuft of grass and stood straight. All of you, get in a line.
Dad and Tim stood on either side of me. Now spin in a circle. We all spun in stiff circles. Stop. We stopped. Slap yourselves in the face. I hesitated, then I whacked myself with my open palm. Dad and Tim did likewise. Now do... I'm a little teapot. Uh, okay. I put my hand on my hip and held my opposite, opposite arm out, palm up, and Tim and Dad copied. And in unison we sang, I'm a little teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle, here is my spout. When I get all steamed up, hear me shout. Tip me over and pour me out. Did that work? I asked hopefully. Are they going back to their graves? No! <laughs> the book shrieked with laughter. I lied! And you three morons fell for it! <laughs> Growling, Dad grabbed the book and held it to his face. Look, asshole! I'm done playing games! Tell me how to get rid of these zombies or I'll blast you back to hell. The book laughed. <laughs> Don't threaten me with a good time. A long, low moan drifted through the cemetery and my spirit withered. A group of zombies appeared at the gate. One poked his head in, saw us, and pointed. There they are! Dad hissed. He threw the book down and held the Uzi at his hip. Tim planted the butt of the shotgun in his shoulder and aimed. His hands trembled and his nostrils flared with rage inhalations. Alex! Dad said over his shoulder. Find that spell right now! Right. I picked up the book and brushed my hair out of my face. You better hurry, <laughs> it said, or all of the people you love will be torn apart. <laughs> it cackled, and my eyes narrowed. Making a fist with my hand, I flashed it up, then down, hitting its stupid, ugly face. Its satisfying cry of pain was sweet music to my ears. And I would have done it again, but Dad and Tim opened fire, startling me. Zombies streamed through the gate, rank after rank, ten across and twenty back. The first row absorbed the bullets, some falling, others merely staggering. I opened the book and quickly went through the pages, ripping some of them in my haste. Ah! The book yelled. Be careful! Where is it? 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 The shotgun roared, and Tim racked it, the empty casey flying from the chamber. Dad pulled a trigger, and the fire leapt from the Uzi's barrel. Tat, 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 tat. Zombies jerked, spun, and fell, but the seething mass continued to slow an exonerable march, treading them underfoot. 
Tim took aim at a woman in a burial dress, and her head exploded in a burst of broken skull and moldy brain matter. Dad raked fire low, and a couple zombies dropped. My leg! One screamed, oh, my leg! Alex! Dag shouted. Right off track, I really am ADHD. Where is it? Where is it? Oh, God, where is it? Where is it? And what is it? I squinted to read by moonlight. Didn't see anything that jumped out of me and turned the page, ripping it. Ouch! My heart slammed, my stomach rolled, and my entire body trembled and pressure wound around my neck. The moaning was closer, closer, even closer, and the gunfire slackened and Dad stopped to reload. At the very end of the book, I came to a page written in Spanish. I glanced over the text and my stomach sucked into my throat. I could read a little of Mom's native tongue, thanks to her stubborn insistence that I learn all things from our culture. I picked out dead, back, ground, and stop. I found it, I exclaimed. Hurry, Dad yelled. They're getting closer. The vanguard was twenty feet and closing, arms up, teeth gnashing, moans, hisses, and other hellish sounds rising from decaying vocal cords. A gust of wind flipped my hair in my face again, and I tucked it behind my ears. All right, Alex, you read Latin earlier. After that, Spanish is a walk in the park. Still, I feel like a little girl standing before a big, scary monster. Weak, powerless, afraid. Swallowing my fear, I started to read haltingly. Muertos regisen a sus tumbas volvir de deja de hacer lo que estás haciendo y vuelvo al suelo. Roll your R's, Dad commanded over his shoulder. I'm trying. The dead were ten feet away from our position and closing. Tim aimed dead sitter and fired, cutting three of them down. Gente muerta, vellecenes, digante esto horror y dejin en paz a los vivos. Has vivido ahora volver a la tierra. The words felt like mush in my mouth and sounded like gibberish in my ears, but it was working. A stiff wind sprang up and the trees whipped back and forth. Massive white clouds rolled across the sky like celestial mountains and lighting crackled in the depths. Energy went through me just like before and power. My hair whiffed around my head and I swear to God, I'm pretty sure I levitated six inches off the ground on the tide of magic. In that moment, understanding dawned on me and I could see all too clearly why witches consort with Satan. Like drugs, Satan makes you high, but in the end, he always brings you down low. Ir vei nunca vuelvas. A whip crack of thunder split the night like a godly pronouncement, and the zombies stopped bare inches from Dad and Tim, who hugged each other and whimpered like babies. For a moment, nothing happened, then one by one, the dead began drifting away. 
some of them mumbling under their breaths, other yawning as though suddenly exhausted. I watched, stunned as they returned to their graves, and a big shit-eating grin spread across my face. It was over. I did it. I actually freaking did it. No! The book lamented, My good time! I snapped the book cover closed, and tears leaked from my eyes. Being petty, I stuck out my tongue. Close to me, a zombie wiggled into a hole, only for another to shuffle up. That's my grave, buddy. Yours is over there. He hooked a thumb over his shoulder. Whoops, uh, my mistake. Somebody bumped into me and I turned. My spirits crashed. Don't you know children shouldn't play with dead things? The first one demanded. I opened my mouth, but shaking its head, it waved me off and shambled away. Well, I know now. A hand fell on my shoulder. I whipped around, but it was just Dad. His face was dirty and covered in sweat. Where'd the dirt come from? One of those assholes threw a dirt ball at me. Pegged him in the nose, too! A zombie called, and a legion of the dead erupted in laughter. He looked like he wanted to say something, then pulled me into a hug. I'm glad you're okay. His voice welled with emotion, and I swallowed a cold lump. I was... a little scared. It was clear from his tone that he was actually a lot scared. I was too, I said, but only a little. Tim leaned on the shotgun like a cane, and when a dead woman in a pink dress passed close, he cringed. She t stopped flicked her eyes up and down his body, and gave a suggestive wink. I walked over, but he was too busy staring after his new girlfriend to notice. You okay? He jumped. Yeah. He looked nervously over his shoulder as the, a debtor waddled past. Um, fine. He showed a wan smile that was cute, despite its pallor. I rubbed the back of my neck. I'm sorry about this. You know, raising the dead and putting us all in mortal danger? I promise it won't happen again. Tim grinned. Well, this was certainly a Halloween I'll never forget. We hugged, and after all we've been through that night, being in his arms made everything alright. Come on, Dad called from near the gate. I want to go home and check on your mom and Jess. Hand in hand, Tim and I left that place of the dead. At the gate, Dad waited by the car, 
wearily watching zombies file past like bone-weary convicts returning to their cells after a long day of breaking rocks. Buckle the rapper stopped next to Tim's car and squinted down at his iPhone. Yeah, he said as his thumbs flew across the screen. It's really me. He shook his head and shoved the phone into his pocket. These bitches be tripping. Act like they ain't never seen a dead man before. On the car ride home, we passed a dozen zombies heading in the direction of the cemetery. None of them made any move to attack us. None of them even looked at us. Gray State police cruisers were scattered around the downtown and troopers in riot gear stood idle. Revelers too late to the party and not realizing it. A block from home, the headlights washed over a figure sitting despondently on the curb, its face resting against its upturned palms. It was tall, kind of pudgy, and shirtless. Langston. Slow down, I told Dad. We stopped next to him and I rolled down my window. Yo, Langston. He looked up, and the puppy dog sadness in his eyes caught me off guard. I was having fun, he muttered. Oh, I wasn't. I'm sorry, I lied. You want a ride? He took a big, watery breath. No, I want a sulk. Okay, uh, have a good night. I like Langston. A lot. He's a cool guy. But he's also a giant weirdo. At home, we pulled into the driveway and got out. The night was silent save for a quiet cricket nocturne. A sound that once resented the epitome of boring to me, but now represented peace. The back door was closed and Tim had left it. And the kitchen and living room brightly lit but deserted, making it somehow more eerie than the dark, cold cemetery. Upstairs, Dad pulled the cord and the folding door dropped. It's us, he called. After a moment, Mom's head appeared. Is it over? Dad nodded. Yeah, we did it. Thank God, she sighed. She, Mark, and Jess climbed down the steps, and at the bottom she hugged me. I'm proud of you, she said and held me at arm's length. For waking the dead? I asked wryly. For cleaning up the mess you made. That shows responsibility. A flush of pride came over me. You're still grounded, though. I opened my mouth to protest, but you know what? Considering all that happened... That wasn't so bad. My family was safe, the world was saved, and I later learned that not a single person died in Pickett's Mead that night. A grounding was a small, small price to pay for that.
closing on the whole matter. I like that ending. Well, I mean, there's still more at the end of this episode, but where it stands now, I feel hopeful for the town. Let me say I have loved, loved, loved performing these characters. It has been so much fun, but I'm glad the series is over. Pet's dad's voice was killing my throat. <laughs> like, it hurts so bad right now. <laughs> this series was so much fun, though. I really hope you guys had as much fun with it as I did. Well, you heard it too. What did you think? Was it scary enough? Or better question, can you do better? Can you scare the laughter out of me? Now for the details. Today's writing prompt is inspired by the prompt challenge I brought up in the intro. Consider the gauntlet dropped with this prompt. The purrs flowed through the air on a perfectly comfortable evening. That's when the world shattered with a loud bang. This was only the beginning of a war that would last for days. Use that sentence as inspiration or those exact words in your story. Either way, let them lead you to your nightmare. The idea is scary enough, but it's what you do with it that can send it over the edge. Are you going to make the story serious or will it have a sense of whimsy? Will the characters ever fully understand where the sound came from? How will the war come to an end? I am dying to know. Once you are able to squeeze a story out of your brain, send it to my email for a chance to have it come to life on this podcast. If you don't know my email, just check out the website. Links to my email, social media are all on the website, as well as so much more. What is the website, you ask? That's easy. It's just the name of the podcast with a dot com at the end. That's dimlightanxiety.com. Speaking of stories, let's give one final shout out to the fabulous writer you can find on Reddit under the username jrubus. If you enjoyed this story and or today's episode, please give me a like, follow, subscribe, review on any platform you use to listen to today's episode. Just something like that can really help get these writers the attention they deserve. If you are feeling really passionate about this podcast, tell your friends. Tell your friends, friends. Hell, tell a stranger. Let them all leave laughing scared. Don't forget that the next episode will come out next month on the 13th. All right, I think that just about covers it, like all these zombies are now. <laughs> well, mostly. We still have the last little bit of today's episode. Enjoy! If you dare. Please, please don't put me back. I'll do anything. I promise. I can make your wildest dreams come true. I can make you rich and powerful. I knelt in the attic on a bright morning of November 1st, a warm shaft of sunlight falling across my lap. In Mexico, it was the Day of the Dead, a holiday where people celebrate those who are now gone. If I had 
any grace and timing at all. I would have waited until today to wake the dead. More fitting that way. I held the book in my hands and scrunched my lips thoughtfully back and forth. Next to me, Jess flicked her eyes uneasily between us. Don't listen to it, she said anxiously. Do listen to me, the book begged. I'll do anything. Just don't lock me up again, please. Untold riches, huh? Fames to my heart desire. Anything I want? I looked at Jess, then at the book. Sorry, I already have everything I want. Leaning over, I set the book in a metal lock box. Wait, no, wait! I closed the lid, locked it, and put the key in my pocket. I picked the box up, got to my feet, and carried it to the farthest, darkest corner where I set it down. I put a tattered cardboard box on top of it and pushed a trunk against it, completely boxing it in, the book sobbing with muffled but still audible. Dusting my hands, I turned to Jess. You thought I was actually going to listen to it, huh? Glad you think so highly of me. Alex, you literally caused an invasion of zombies last night. I sighed and shook my head. Just, just, just stuck in the past. She rolled her eyes. Reaching up, I pulled the light cord and plunged the attic into darkness. We climbed down and I closed the door. It thumped into place with grim finality. And I nudged Jess in the ribs. Wanna watch a horror movie? No? I stuck out my bottom lip. Please, I just want to hang out with my widow sister. She considered for a moment, a battle raging in her eyes, then let out a deep, burdened sigh. Fine, she said. But not about zombies. Deal. With that, we went off to watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And everything was right in the world. I declare this meeting of the Guild with Dim Light Anxiety closed. Well, that wraps up another year. Until next month's Terror Tale, Creep It Real! <laughs>